electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. I'm Kramer. Welcome to another special West Coast edition of Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you a little extra money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Maybe it all depends on, on where you shop. That's how I'm starting to feel about the supposedly raging inflation that everyone keeps harping on, including today, where the Dow gained 55 points, has to be advanced 0.39%, NASDAQ jumped 0.76%. Sure, we know that many things have gone up in price, but it's important to remember that prices can also come down. Look, we're not just a bunch of nitwits who are hostage to higher prices. There are things you can do to offset the damage, and they're being done lately with some unreported success. Worse, we almost never hear of anything that's going right when it comes to inflation. If you listen to most commentators, it's like everything's always going wrong. I mean, you think that these guys are on a mission to discredit Fed Chief Jay Powell, or at least force him to tighten prematurely. They've turned his comments that inflation is transitory into a punchline, even though transitory doesn't necessarily mean brief. Now, my position on inflation is widely viewed as pie in the sky. After all, didn't I listen to the Tyson Foods conference call? Every single line item is seeing inflation, whether they're talking grain or produce or labor. I mean, that call was a disaster. And if you're Jay Powell, you might be thinking, hmm, maybe uh, Lael Brainer should get the job. But I think it's a mistake to read too much into Tyson. This is a company that's had repeated COVID-related labor issues, a company that's always been at the mercy of grains and birds and cows. I mean, you can't look at that and decide it's game, set, and match for the whole inflation debate. Why? Well, first of all, other than food and labor, 
Most commodities have started to come down from their highs. This is not some secret. You just have to look at the tables. And let's take one particularly inflated section of the economy that has got a lot of companies and consumer packaged goods companies in trouble. Chemicals. Few commodities are more important than basic chemicals. They're the building blocks of the economy. My favorite chemical analyst, Frank Mitch from Fermium, has walked me through this. You can see clear peaks in the polys, polyethylene and polypropylene. These have been raging nonstop. So it matters that they're getting cheaper. You know why? Because others in the complex will follow. And next month, we're going to be talking about those. Second, the persistently high price of oil is looking, well, uh, how about a lot less persistent? Crude's been stuck at 80 bucks, And while there's been tremendous discipline from major American producers, hey, we heard that from Mike Worth from Chevron yesterday, we simply aren't seeing the breakout to 100 that so many predicted. Now, some of that's because smaller producers are ramping up drilling, but some of it's because cars these days are more fuel efficient than they were 10 years ago. I wish I could give more credit to electric vehicles with the lucid air winning motor trend car of the year. I got to drive one earlier, more on that later. But electric's only 2% of the total fleet, so for the moment, they're not playing a role. But oil being contained is incredibly important. And it has been contained, and people keep acting like it keeps going up. Third, we know the biggest shortage out there is the semiconductor shortage. It's a true fiasco where the manufacturers are hell-bent on making expensive, high-performance chips, including Intel. We're going to be listening to Pat Gelsier later in the show. He's their CEO. Even though what we really need are what's known as cheaper full-feature chips, not dumb chips, but full-feature chips that go into machines like cars. We don't have enough. But then last night. And another piece that nobody noticed, I guess it came out too late, Morgan Stanley published an incredibly prescient piece titled, and I quote, Malaysian fabs back to 100%. Auto chip shortage is now in the rearview mirror. All right, well, look, they're not Charles Dickens, but it works. Holy cow, according to Morgan Stanley, car production and data center shipments should both improve shortly. Now, are we supposed to ignore this research when Volkswagen CEO just said that the worst of the chip shortage is over? Toyota's narrowing its production cuts. Look, I know Taiwan's semi largest family in the world. It's not done. It's still got a problem, right? Still isn't producing enough chips. And the Malaysian plants can't make up for that shortfall. But do you know how fast the price of used cars will plummet once the automakers can ramp up the production of the new ones? I strolled through a used uh, Ford lot the other day, and I yeah, couldn't find anything for less than 55 Gs. I got a call from my dealer last week offering me 20 grand for my 16-year-old Lexus. Now, I would hit that bid if I didn't need the car. That kind of froth won't last forever. In fact, I think it's almost over. Fourth, how about the port situation? We keep hearing that's totally intractable, right? Probably getting worse. But today, Bloomberg had an article about how the Port of Los Angeles has seen a 29% decline in the number of containers sitting on the docks. Decline! Can we really ignore that number? Remember, the White House has taken uh, all sorts of steps to sort out the port situation. I I don't think they're totally futile. Five, we know it's not so much the cost of goods that's the problem. It's more about the cost of distributing goods. Do we have enough labor to manufacture and transport everything? Are there enough people who are willing to work in the service industry? For this, I have two responses. One is what Walmart said today. The largest retailer in America crushed its own stock in a self-professed effort to fight inflation. Not great for investors, but it should be music to the ears of anyone who is worried about endless price increases. Walmart. Walmart's taking them on the chin. They even talked about how it's now getting easier to hire people. Walmart CEO Doug McMillan did shock analysts when he said that finding workers got less difficult as the stimulus dollars waned. We heard that wasn't the case from a lot of other employers. But remember, this, we're talking about the largest, one of the largest employers in America. And he told us, and I quote, we saw people come back and in a matter of weeks we were back to being staffed. Got to ask, is the labor shortage peaking? Sure seemed like it after listening to that conference call. 
mean, they're trying to hire tens of thousands of people. But let's go back to our first question. Are we really hostage to higher prices? If you truly believe you're facing inflation for hundreds of thousands of items, of foodstuffs, of things you need for your house. Can I suggest you just join the legions of Walmart shoppers? Because this company shocked the world by simply eating many of its cost increases uh, rather than passing them on to you, as so many other companies have. Walmart is a deflationist in an inflationist world. And if you shop there, you are winning your own battle. I'm not suggesting Jay Powell shop at Walmart and the Wall Streeters who whine about inflation wouldn't be caught dead there. Uh, I would never say that because I have no idea where pal shops. But the masters of the financial universe certainly don't shop there, because if they did, they might start questioning how serious the inflation problem really is in this country. Who needs rate hikes? We got Walmart. I'd say this retailer is the most powerful force fighting inflation today. But then again, I'm out here in San Francisco, where it's obvious that tech is the most powerful force fighting inflation today. We've got software company after software company that's automating white-collar jobs out of existence. The more functions your phone comes up with, the fewer workers companies will have to hire to run their enterprises. Interesting Qualcomm stocks soar today. I can believe that more power to your cell phone means less hiring for businesses that deploy them. And don't forget all the artificial intelligence that we keep hearing about here in place of actual people. And that is very good news when it comes to the labor shortage, even as it's bad news for the people who are thrown out of work. So, sure, j can raise short-term interest rates and cool down the housing market by making mortgages more expensive. That's easy enough, right? But then again, the rise of the hybrid workforce has created temporary demand for new housing in the suburbs or the country. And that shift won't last forever. Why crush it? Why? The bottom line, I don't think Powell needs to slam the brakes on the economy. Despite what you hear from the inflationistas in the media, the weight of the evidence is finally going Powell's way. Team transitory is going to win. I say stop freaking about inflation. Go shop at Walmart if you're so worried about the price of milk. It does make a huge difference. Hey, you know what? Let's take some calls. I want to start with Jonathan in Pennsylvania. Jonathan. Hey, Jimmy Chill. How are you, man? Chill man's fine. Actually, it's a little chilly. What's going on? I'm calling from State College, Pennsylvania. Love everything you do for our uh, small investors, man. Just love it. Thank you. Um, Go on. So uh, I'm uh, Booyah, by the way. Booyah. And uh, I'm calling about a stock that's been in the news a little bit lately. Announced partnerships with Kroger, Uber, uh, trading at 16 uh, Ford P&E. Um, now some buybacks. What's your thoughts on Bed Bath and Beyond BBBY? Okay, the shorts are trying to keep this one down. The shorts trying to keep it. They offer stock constantly. I got to tell you, they're gravely mistaken. Mark Tritton, he is going to pull off the turnaround of the century, and they keep buying back stock balance sheet really good. And bye bye, baby, is the reason why you need to buy bye bye Bed Bath and Beyond. Bye bye, baby's worth half the price of the stock for heaven's sake. Jay in Tennessee, Jay. Booyah, Jim. This is Jay in Tennessee, as you you said. What I'm calling about, Jim, is Coinbase. I picked it up when it was coming back after going public. Unfortunately, I paid a price. Been writing calls on it ever since, especially making some money on calls, writing. Uh, Where do you see Coinbase? And is it a long-term... It's become the proxy. It's the proxy for the group for those who don't want to own the actual. They don't want to own crypto, so they buy that one. Uh, I actually prefer they own Square, whom we're talking to later in the show, than Coinbase. But there's no denying that there is a clear, uh, let's just say, it's the easiest path to own something that's a stock that looks like crypto. All right. 
I don't think Powell needs to slam the brakes on the economy. That is what everybody seems to want, not this guy. Team Transitory is winning, so please stop panicking about inflation and go shop at Walmart. Tonight on Mad Money, from the future payments to the latest in crypto, uh, I'm digging into all of it with Square CFO. Then the Lucid Air was named the Motor Trend Car of the Year, and I got to take one for a spin, and I can barely drive. Oh, I just thought the CEO. You do not want to miss this. Plus, we all know that chip shortage is a major issue facing so many industries. Just talked about it. We're finding out the latest from none other than Intel's CEO. So stick with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. Many of last year's biggest winners have stalled in 2021, and that includes Square, the financial technology titan that's using its payments data to totally disrupt the small business lending space and maybe go into the medium size, I think. Now, Square mostly traded sideways from uh, February through early August. Since then, it's tumbled from the 280s to 238. Well, I have been pretty sanguine about this one. Unfortunately, when Square reported its latest quarter this month, well, they, let's say they didn't live up to Wall Street's hype. Even Cash App, their popular peer-to-peer payments business that I like so much, came in slightly weaker than expected. And I've been a huge backer of Square, but I know they're doubters. So can the stock get its groove back? And has the company even lost its edge at all? Let's check in with Amrita Ahuja. And Amrita is the CFO of Square. I want to get a better read of the situation. Ms. Ahuja, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks so much for having me. Right, first, I want, to, I want to just go to something you're doing that I find quite exciting. There are, last I looked, 20 million teens, yes. 13 to 17, that are going to get something that I think that they deserve, that my kids love about what your company's doing. I just want you to speak to how you're changing things for a younger demo. 
Absolutely. We've opened Cash App up to teens in the United States, of course, with parent and guardian approval. They can now use Cash App to peer-to-peer send money to their friends, to their family members in the community. They can use our cash card with an instant rewards product, with a boost product. And in the future, they can do even more within Cash App. This is an expansion opportunity for us as we grow our network even more beyond the 40-plus million monthly actives that we have to teens in the United States and hopefully more in the future. Do people not understand when this happened? Wall Street's a little short-sighted that these are people who will ultimately make a lot of money and have a lot of money and you've got to get them now, not later? Absolutely. These are the workers of the future, the spenders of the future, and we want to be there in the early days to help with the financial literacy and bringing these teens who today transact with paper money into the financial ecosystem. And it's really just part of our broader financial inclusion purpose. The, and then I, I think people don't understand. When you speak about wanting you and, and Mr. Dorsey speak about Bitcoin as a native currency for the Internet. Once again, you've got zeitgeist that could turn into profits. I don't think people on Wall Street realize that they could be disintermediated by an all new form. I'm going to call it a currency. Speak to what you're doing with crypto because nobody else is. Jim, we believe the Internet needs a currency. If you look at the inefficiencies in the information system we call money today, whether it's cross-border, it's extra costs on consumers, it's inefficient in terms of time and security, cryptocurrency and the technology that underpins that with the blockchain has the potential to bring efficiencies here and bring people around the globe into the financial ecosystem. We think Bitcoin is the strongest contender to be that currency of the Internet. Bitcoin is resilient. It's been around the longest. There's no one company or developer that controls it. It's principled. It it, uh, builds off of a consensus-based developer ecosystem and has a defined supply with defined rules that everyone knows. And we are building for the future and experimenting here in a disciplined way. But you also... You're talking about Bitcoin, Bitcoin mining, that you're going to help that? How? I mean, what do you help people buy uh, NVIDIA cards? I mean, what are you going to do? Well, so today, Bitcoin is about 5% of our gross profits through our cash app in that our customers can buy and sell Bitcoin. In the future, we've got three emerging opportunities around Bitcoin mining, around a hardware wallet, and around building a decentralized exchange to enable the exchange of fiat to cryptocurrencies. Well, but- and this is the future for us, but it is one that we're going to be disciplined in investing again. Okay, so I wanted to send my Ethereum, I know you favor Bitcoin, but to my bank, and it's a large bank, large bank in the world. And they were said, well, no, we're not set up to handle it. And I said, well, what am I supposed to just leave it with this no-name joker? I can't do that. Well, I'd be able to one day transfer my Ethereum to a square bank somewhere and make it part of, of, of my whole system of small, medium-sized businesses that I control and what I do with, with my kids. I mean, what's going on? That's exactly the sort of thing, Jim, we need in order to make cryptocurrencies and blockchain yes. more mainstream. And that's what Square wants to be a part of. Now, look, I, I don't want to slight, I mean, we got a gigantic business that, that you do, uh, it's just the regular Square business. And yes. I, I think that's going excellently. It was a little conflicted. It was convoluted because of, of the Bitcoin position, but is business remaining as strong, small, medium, size as it was in the last call. Oh, absolutely. We've been incredibly surprised and pleased to see the resilience of our sellers on our platform. Jim, in the third quarter, our sellers were processing at higher rates than where they were two years ago prior to the pandemic. Sitting here a year ago in the depths of the pandemic, no one would have seen that coming. And we think it's a big part related to the products and the features that we supply our customers that enable them to adapt through dynamic times, enable them to get a loan when they need, whether it's PPP or through Square. 
And we think that we're a key piece of helping those sellers adapt, and we're excited to see where they go from here. I was concerned. I mean, yesterday we had Max Lefton on from a firm. Uh, you paid a lot of money for Afterpay, a similar product. Why did you need to do that? I mean, it, it, it's getting crowded by now, pay later. Here's where we see the potential for buy now, pay later. When you look at millennials and Gen Zs, they distrust traditional credit. Buy now, pay later is an open and transparent way to manage your spending. And it is in its infancy in terms of two, it's about 2% of e-commerce sales today. E-commerce is booming in terms of the industry overall. We want to be a part of influencing the direction of this. Afterpay is an incredible aspirational brand that speaks to Gen Z and millennials. And it has a very complimentary customer overlap with ours. They have 100,000 merchants, largely enterprise. We have millions of small and medium-sized businesses. They have 16 million consumers. We have 70 million on Cash App on an annualized basis. We think there is so much we can do together as we integrate Cash App and cross-sell our products to each other. And just want to be sure, because you have a panoply that very few have, it's looking like a good holiday season so far. Are people spending? Absolutely. There's confidence in the economy, and we're excited for the momentum heading into 2022. Well, let's leave it at that. I... I don't know why the stock sold off. To me, it squares the future. But, you know, I felt that since 12 because of your predecessor, Sarah Fryer, who explained and read me the riot act about Square. <laughs> that, that is Emrita Hoosia. She's the CFO of Square, a company that we have liked literally for more than 200 points. Bad Bunny's back after the break. Coming up, is the sky the limit for this motoring EV stock? Is your seatbelt on? Kramer gets the electric latest with the CEO of Lucid next. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast, indeed.com slash mad money terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed. This motorized cohort is electrified with competition racing to challenge more than just Tesla. Can the EV upstarts put Detroit on notice and does lucid have the engine to pull ahead of the pack? Last week, it was Rivian, the electric vehicle IPO that's sorting to the stratosphere. It's still going. This week, it's about Lucid Group, the maker of the Lucid Air luxury electric sedan, whose shares are up more than 26% in two days after winning Motor Trend's 2022 Car of the Year. That the only time that award's ever gone to a new automaker for its first vehicle to hit production. Even better, last night Lucid reported its first quarter as a publicly traded company, and we found out that the reservation list has grown from 13,000 to 17,000 just since the end of September. I think it's going to go a heck of a lot faster now that it's won that co- coveted Motor Trend trophy. So earlier today, 
we had a chance to speak and drive around with Peter Rawlinson. He's Lucent CEO and Chief Technology Officer at his headquarters in Newark, California. Take a look. Peter, first, congratulations. Motor Trend Car of the Year, a fabulous conference call last night. What's it like to actually see it happen? It's unreal. This is a, a true accolade. It's perhaps the most prestigious industry award. It really is like winning an Oscar. And to me, my journey of over 10 years with EVs to actually get my hands on this trophy means a whole lot. But I do so recognize that I receive it on behalf of the team because this is a huge team effort and it's the team here at Lucid that's made this possible. I think it's important for people to understand that you're in this, actually you're in this because of the environment. That is still front and center, Peter Rawls. Absolutely, this is a mission. This is no longer a job or a company. This is about uh, a mission, a calling to help the environment. We cannot go on burning fossil fuels the way we're doing. Mankind needs to transition to sustainable mobility. And the route to that is technology. This is a tech race. And the technology that we create in-house with this car, we will use to make electric vehicles progressively more affordable and progressively more mass market. And we need to accelerate that with a sense of urgency. Affordable luxury, the possibility one day that these go from 70,000 to 50,000 Race car style, okay, but beautiful, with an engine that can go how long without charging? The car has 520 miles EPA accredited range in the case of the Dream Edition range. 520 miles. This is the longest range EV that the EPA has ever recorded. At the same time, what people have to understand... People keep saying, well, it's absurd, it's, it's valued as this or like that. They're, they're always valuing it to something automobile. I value it to technology. I see your team. Your team is filled with people from Apple, Tesla. It's, it's not filled with basic people as nothing against Detroit. But this is not a recreation of Detroit that you've got out here. Exactly. We're valued as a Silicon Valley technology company. And, you know, if I was an analyst in this space, I'd be asking fundamental and profound valuation questions. I'd be asking who amongst the companies actually creates all their technology in-house, who manufactures it all in-house. We create the entire electric powertrain design and develop it here in our headquarters here in Silicon Valley. And not only that, we manufacture it all in our purpose-built plant in Arizona. This is 100% in-house technology and it's world-leading. Now, to the best of my knowledge, there are only two companies that design, develop and manufacture all that tech in-house and those two are Tesla and Lucid. Alright, so if I go under the hood in Lucid, which fortunately could be in a size of a suitcase. Will I find uh, the same semiconductor shortage problem? Will I find the labor problem? Will I find all the things that are plaguing every other company in the automotive business? Or would I be looking at, say, an Apple phone and saying, you know what, look, we've got the technology, the customers love it, and let's stop worrying about things that don't really mean anything to us. Yeah, well, we've been able to mitigate the semiconductor risk because as a tech company, we design all our printed circuit boards, our PCBAs in-house. And that means that we can design for alternative sourcing and different types of chip. And that will reduce the risk. So we've been able to mitigate that risk. 
That isn't to say we aren't uh, vulnerable to today's supply chain um, shortages that the entire industry is facing. In fact, many industries are facing. That is something that we are uh, challenged with and we have mitigation plans for. But you have said, let's be clear about this, you have a lot of demand, up to 70,000, and that's not a problem for you to make. Mm-hmm. But you have, you have dreams, let's hopefully realities, of 500,000 in production? And more. Absolutely. Absolutely. We already have a factory scale for 34,000 units a year. As soon as we can get this quality parts to the line, we can spool that up. The factory is there and ready ready for 34,000 units per annum. We're quadrupling the size of that factory in Arizona. We're building out a 2.85 million square foot expansion to get ready to build 90,000 units per annum. And the site itself is, with its phase three, capable of nearly 400,000 units per annum. And mid-decade, we plan to have plants in the Middle East and China as well. Now, people tell me, wait, Jim, don't get too caught up in the lucid because the fact is it's such a crowded market. I look at the percentage of automobiles that are sold that are EV, and I say, well, that's really what we're talking about versus the rest. I couldn't agree more. There isn't a market for EVs. There's a market for cars, Jim. Yes. And the penetration of EVs in that market is tiny, 25 to 4%. I'm looking at the other 96%. That's our market. And a 30-year-old person who has uh, some means or can borrow, do they want an internal combustion engine or do they want this? They want this. They want race-bred technology and performance. This is a luxury car, a mile-eating Grand Touring, but it's a beast of a sports car as well. It's got this dual personality. We wanted muscle cars when I was growing up. Can this go faster, zero to 60, than a muscle car? It makes muscle cars look silly. This is a 9.67 seconds standing quarter in Dream Edition. This is an extreme sports car, but yet it's luxurious and refined over 500-mile range as well. You can have your cake and eat it too. So do you think when people say there's going to be a big shakeout, do you have enough money to last through the shakeout, and do you have the orders to feel confident enough that this can be toe-to-toe with you-know-who, who who is always talking about how much money he has and saying that senators are dead? Look, we just announced we've got over 17,000 orders in our reservation. And these are orders that, frankly... They're not just idle, hey, I'm interested in the loose. No, this is money down, serious deposit. They're refundable deposits. But this has grown over 30% just in the last six weeks since the end of Q3. And I'm seeing it accelerating. And now that you won the award, I have to believe that today, every day that you come into work, there are more. Am I correct? Absolutely. And this is where most people have never actually sat or driven in one. Many people have never heard of us yet. Okay, and where are you getting your people from? Because everyone says there's this great resignation, we can't find workers. Aren't, peop- aren't smart people flocking to work for Lucid? More and more. Uh, it's partly my job to create Lucid as this beacon of light for the smartest talents around the world. Come and work with Lucid if you're a creator, an engineer, a scientist, technology, a technologist, uh, a designer. Please come to Lucid. Is it too late? Uh, no. No. <laughs> Join us on our mission to save the planet. Peter Rawlinson, CEO and CTO, Lucid Motors. Congratulations Lucid. on Motor Trend. Thanks. Thanks so much. Thank you. Coming up. China, chip shortages, and churning competition have caused a choppy month for Intel. 
Kramer finds out how the Silicon Valley stalwart plans to crack that next. All right, what's it going to take to turn Intel around? And has it started to turn already? The former semiconductor kingpin has been struggling for years. But when Pat Gelsinger took over as CEO nine months ago, he came out with all sorts of plans to stage a comeback. When Intel reported last month, we saw that they still have some execution issues. But more importantly, we found out how much these projects will cost. Management's talking about $25, $28 billion in capital expenditures next year and beyond. The company builds out its manufacturing capacity in the U.S. and Europe. Wall Street got sticker shock, and it didn't help that Intel also gave you some downbeat projections for sales, gross margin, and earnings. And in response, the stock rolled over. Now, I agree with Pat about the need to spend the money. I do worry that it won't be enough and that they're running out of time to keep up with NVIDIA and AMD. I've been quite vocal about that. Since we're out here on the West Coast, we've got to talk to Pat himself. Pat's the CEO of Intel. Hear his side of the story. Mr. Gelsinger, well, welcome back to me, buddy. Hey, always a pleasure, Jim. And boy, what a great location it's for us fantastic. today. It's fantastic. Now, but, what do you got in your hands? Hey, Let's go I right gotta, there. I got to show off. This sure. is This is almost a sacred moment. Okay. Right? It was 50 years ago this week that the 4004 was invented. And the microprocessor, as you know, is the thing that enabled this computing everywhere. It's now permeating, Absolutely. right? The personal computer, cloud computing, all of it is based on the microprocessor. And this baby, 50 years ago, was the definition of a breakthrough that changed the world. 2,300 transistors. Here we are, Moore's Law later, right, over a 50-year period. Who, who, who appeared? Right, this is Pontevecchio our highest-end, high-performance computing and AI chip at 100 billion transistors. This is the most powerful machine that's ever been built compared to the first machine well, that was ever built. What kind of foundry capacity do you need? How much money do you have to spend in order to be able to make uh, a line of those that's in, that is actually commercial? Well, you know, this is clearly, you know, this is a big chip, right? right? You know, a lot of silicon associated with it. And we're seeing overwhelming demand, interest as we bring this forward. And we're going to go into production on this, you know, in the first half of next year as we ramp this into the market to deliver these highest end machines. And obviously those big new fabs and like the two I have now under construction, you know, is the kind of things we need to invest in to enable us to mass produce this kind of product. But, but honestly, I mean, you're making a huge bet on, on foundries. Uh, give us some color about how large that business can be three to four years' time so that we know that buying the stock down here, which is very different from buying it at 59, makes some sense. Yeah. And, you know, what you'll see is, you know, a new foundry design takes a couple of years, yes. right? You know, and when, you know, Qualcomm and, you know, others come in to use the foundry, hey, they do test chips, they do design processes and so on. So it's going to be in the back end. And I've laid out the financial guidance for five years right. to the street is what we did. In the and last it was, by couple. the way, I thought it was rational, reasonable, no hype. Which is why when my boys were asking me this morning how I approach Pat, Pat at 50 for Intel with 2.75% yield and growing is very different from one where everyone has expectations too high. You've ratcheted them down. You think they're reasonable now? I think they're absolutely reasonable. And what we did is I, I felt good. You know, no, no CEO will ever feel good when a stock goes know, down 10%. But... You know, now the investment plans, as the street knows, are in coherence with the strategy that I've laid out and the execution they that are. we've laid out. And with that, it's like, hey, you know, what I would like to say is, you know, for the next five years, we set ourselves up for 20 quarters of meat beat race. You know, that's exactly what right. we want to do. And just like we did at VMware, we but, set very right. reasonable expectations. We set a clear vision and then we just go execute against it. OK, but I, sometimes I get confused. You offered what I thought was a pretty interesting proposal to make some chips in China. 
It's fungible. They are here. We want a chip shortage to end. I thought it was reasonable. The administration seemed to frown on it. But why should they care where they're made as long as they're made? Well, you know, there's clearly concern on, you know, where and you know what kind of leakage might happen associated with chip manufacturing. And what we've said is we want to build in the U.S. Right. We want to build in Europe no as one's rapidly made a as possible. Yeah, and we've clearly gone to Congress and the Chips Act, which we, you know, and here, here we are on the air. I just say, beg, call your congressional leaders. We want to get the Chips Act done this year. We're seeing great momentum in Europe. So we are all in. We want to, as we've said, build a geographically balanced, more resilient supply chain. And clearly, we're, we're all here facing the shortages in the semiconductor industry. The sooner we can get that done. That's what we said. We looked around the world for any place that we could see that capacity built out more rapidly. Well, OK, so what can the U.S. government do? What can you do? What should others be doing to make it so that we are preeminent again and not so dependent, as you often say, on Taiwan, which, as we know, is geopolitical nightmare? And, you know, what we've said is the CHIPS Act as constructed is great. Right. Right. You know, what it does is it unleashes for every dollar that they invest. I'm obligated to invest two plus dollars and I'm ready to go bigger, faster is what we've said so that we get more factories built on the U.S. and European soil much more rapidly than we would otherwise. And when those factories get here, the supply chains start to follow it. Package, assembly, test, systems as well to bring it back so that we have a more globally balanced supply chain. And what we say is we shouldn't be dependent on any one hotspot right, in the world. Right. And we you, you listen when the president has a three-hour meeting. Are you worried that something's going to come out of it which says Taiwan Semi may be in play? Are there issues? Because, you know, there was rumors that you were going to try to buy global foundries before it came public. Well, you know, as we've said. Untrue, you know, right? We take that yeah. off the table. We, you know, we, what we've said is. Take that hey, off the table. The, we're taking it off the table. Off the table. There off you the go. Table. That's what I wanted. Right. And, you know, but what we said is this is an expensive industry. Yes. Right. You know, high on R&D, high on CapEx. And as we move to leading edge, right, we believe right. You, know, you have to move to leading edge sub 10 nanometers over time. Right. It will be a consolidating well, industry. AMD's going with five nanometer, Pat. I mean, we have to acknowledge. I said sub we 10 have, nanometers. But we, we have just, to acknowledge. I just gave a, you seven. Can we get you to acknowledge that <laughs> AMD has made some tremendous strides? Absolutely. They've done well. NVIDIA has done well. And I'd say to both, you know, Jensen and Lisa, they've done a good job. But we are back. Right? We are now on course. We've just launched Alder Lake, which is clearly the best product is, in the is industry. Is back good for, I mean, can you, are you sacrificing margins in order to be back? Because you know how Wall Street is. Walmart sacrificed margins and they eviscerated it today. You know, and the guidance that we gave, I set a lower margin guidance, exactly what we just said, Jim. You know, I set margin guidance that we clearly believe we can meet and beat over time. And that gave us enough to, capacity. We're going to hold you to those. Those Absolutely. are yours. Those are not the old guys. That's those right. Are your this numbers. Is my, these are my numbers, and we're committed to those, right? We're committed to the capital investment plan, and we've set, you know, that we are going to grow this company. This is going to become a growth company again, leading in technology and growth again. And are the product machine is starting to deliver. Alder Lake, best client in the in the industry, are coming HPC and graphics products, clearly getting the enthusiasm of the industry. You didn't even mention Mobileye. That worries me. Well, Mobileye, you know, I am excited about <laughs> Mobileye. Right? Self-driver. Yeah. And the uh, autonomous category. You know, what Mobileye did is they said, hey, we're going to do collision avoidance. Right. Right. And that you know, and they now have very high, well over 50% market share, right? And they continue to gain yes, market share. Do. But from that, you know, vision leadership 
Now it's going into autonomous. L2 and L4 and fully autonomous. And we're getting a lot of design wins, enthusiasm for that. And uh, Amnon is, you know, just fabulous in that Israeli team. And this is one of my hot growth businesses. I am very glad that we've lowered the expectations. I now feel that you're on the right course. I was worried that even uh, that even you felt, wow, we can just turn it around in a second. It's a bit of a battleship. But now I think at these prices, Pat, well, I'm you with know. you, not against you. Hey. Don't let me down, though. Jim, I am in. Don't we're, let me down. We're in, buddy. All right, <laughs> All right. that's Pat Gelsinger, CEO of Intel, with a very realistic, reasonable, and rational approach to the next five years. Mad Money's back after the break. Just chill out. Is this Chill Master Jay? The Chill Man is in the house. He's happy. The lightning round is coming up when Mad Money returns. It is time! This is our first special Left Coast, Best Coast edition of the Lightning Round. I'm Curtis Mad And this is, of course, from beautiful San Francisco. What do I do? I take your calls. Remember, if I want to, I say my soccer center, bye bye bye, but you're going to play the sound. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski dead to the lightning round. Curtis Mad start with Jenny in Michigan. Jenny! Hi, Jim. Thanks for taking my question. Oh, sure, Jenny. And the question is, what is your opinion of Cassava Sciences, a biotech for Alzheimer's disease? Yeah, um, I don't. This is not the one. I don't think they have it. I don't think Biogen has it, even though Medicare is going to pay for it. I think Eli Lilly has it, which is why we keep buying that one for the charitable trust. And remember, you can follow along by going and joining our investment club. Can I go to Joshua in Pennsylvania? Joshua. Hey, Jim. How's it going? All right, Joshua, how about you? Very good. I'm calling in because of Roots, ticker R-O-O-T. No, Roots is a really great restaurant in some New Jersey. Root, the one that you're referring to, is a not-so-great insurance uh, technology company, which I think is a... Sell, sell, sell. All right, now we're going to Jerry in Florida. Jerry! Mr. Kramer, how goes it? Oh, man, I'm chill. Jimmy, chill. What's going on? Nice. First time caller and long time listener and a okay. new member of the CNBC Investing Club. That's what I want. That's what I want. Give me some great sounds. All right. Well, how well, about this one? <laughs> and this one? And, well, let's get a couple of them. Go ahead. Hey, Jimmy. Jimmy, chill. All get in the side. Thanks for your guidance yep. and having our back. Okay. Quick question, my friend. Zeta Global. Ticket, ticker symbol Z-E-T-A. Uh, we got so many of those. Market. You know, we got so many of those. And I'm going to tell you to buy Salesforce, okay? Just buy Salesforce. Then we don't have to fool around. We don't have to worry about the new young ones. We can go with the established ones. Can I have time for one more? I'd like to go to Barry in Massachusetts. Barry! Hi, Jim. Hi, Barry. Jim. I want to ask you about Doximity. I know the stock has been all over the place of late, up and down and up and down. I remain convinced that the doctors love the product, and so therefore... Bye, bye, bye! Okay, how about we go to Eddie in Connecticut, Eddie? Yes, there you are, Jim. How are you? TV Chill's doing fine. How about you? Very good. Uh, My stock is Viacom CBS. There's been insider buying by CBS, and that intrigues me. And I think the stock is not expensive at all. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Call me biased. I love my Walmart. Why? Two reasons. 
of fresh produce at ridiculously low prices. That matters. When you go to buy a fishing pole there, as I did two months ago, you end up getting two. I mean, it was just like buying one, get one. Bogo. So why not? At the time I mentioned my stepson who was shopping with me, how do they get away with these prices? They must be taking a beating. Turns out I was right. But they, in this case, refers to my charitable trust and all the other shareholders who own the stock of today's biggest loser. Yeah, but Walmart reported today all the most important numbers were up, except one, the gross margins. In plain English, that means how much they make on each item after you subtract the cost of goods sold. When you look at the noticeably shrinking margins, it's clear that what I saw at my own Walmart in Quakertown, Pennsylvania, is happening at Walmarts all across the country. Lower prices, lower prices than you could expect, or maybe even reasonably justify, because this company will always be America's price cutter. That's its reputation. Walmart is a blessing for American consumers, but what about investors? Now, I told CBC Investment Club members to trim some, as we did for my travel trust when it rambled to 149. Well, we were anxious to buy it back if it dipped to 144, and today it got to 143. However, when you look at how the stock reacted to the quarter, up three of the same store sales right before the market opened, then immediately in the red when we saw the gross margins, you know that Walmart just doesn't have the kind of profitability that's sending other retailing stocks into the stratosphere, when it's the nearly 6% run in Home Depot today. Is there something magical about home despot that lets them make more money on each sale? No. Right now, expanding margins are the rule. Walmart's the exception because they're so committed to giving you low prices. It's actually a decision to make less money. As CEO Doug McMillan explained on the call, fighting inflation is in Walmart's DNA. At a time when supply chain snags are pushing up prices across the board, distributions causing inflation, Walmart's on a mission to keep giving you incredible bargains. And you can see it if you shop there. While I applaud that, right now Walmart's in share take mode, and that should pay off in the long run. I also wish they'd buy back more stock. So far, they've only repurchased a bit more than $7 billion worth of shares when they have a $20 billion repurchase authorization. If that doesn't happen, I'll start to worry about whether the margins can expand next year. And I wager most growth-oriented money managers will dump the stock, maybe even more than they did today. Eventually, Walmart will be picked up by more value-oriented managers, but they typically only start buying at substantially lower levels, bigger discounts. How long can the company maintain this policy? Forever. Normally, the shareholders would clamor for a change in the strategy to boost earnings. But in the case of Walmart, the Walton family still owns about half the shares, and they're on board with the late Sam Walton's vision of everyday low prices, no matter what. Short term, it looks like a dopey idea when compared to what we saw this morning from Home Depot, which had terrific numbers, bolstered by contractors who happen to pay for, up for merchandise and then pass that on to you for the projects they're doing. But when you compare it to most other stocks long term, Walmart has been a huge winner. And that's why we're sticking with it for the Charitable Trust and looking for a good place to start buying back the shares that we sold at the 149 level, even as it was painful to watch Home Depot go up so much on a day when Walmart stock went down. Remember, it's not like Walmart actually missed the numbers. This was another classic beat and raise quarter from a company that's gotten, I, I should have a, I don't know, it's been doing that for a while now and nobody cared. They had a huge back to school season, a gigantic Halloween, and they seemed poised for, for a colossal Thanksgiving. Walmart's also made huge strides in their digital business, adding 21 million items to their online marketplace. They've got the best data and they're using the best software and automation. Walmart's even got a digital advertising business that, while small, is growing like a weed, up 240% versus two years ago. They talk about a flywheel effect created by ad income, fulfillment services, Flipkart, and using the stores distribution center, something Amazon would kill for. The new digital Walmart is not pie in the sky. It's already working. 
And when we see it pay off, I think the stock market will reward investors who stay at the course. Founder Sam Walton was an inflation fighter from day one. The tradition continues. When inflation stops raging, the new customers will stick with Walmart, and the consumer, as well as the stock, will then be triumphant. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.